Welcome to the Home Court Vantage Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, and with me again is Alex Spears. We are going to do something similar to what we did last week. Uh, last week was ranking of the small forwards for the season, and this week we're going to do centers. So Alex, uh, maybe quickly explain the methodology, and then we'll uh, start at the top and work our way down again. Yeah, so this one, last time, last week we did small forwards, I think I chose 24 guys. This one I was trying to – I thought it would be less for some reason, but I ended up choosing 31. <laughs> uh, so it took me even longer. But I don't know. There are just a lot of guys that I was interested in and wanted to see where they ended up. So I apologize to any of the Hugh, huge Omer Ashik fans out there. <laughs> he, he, he was right at the, like, the line where I was like, I can't do this. I can't do 32. <laughs> So I did not include him. There were a few other random guys I didn't include. But I think on the whole, I got most of the big names. Um, So, yeah, I chose 31 guys. And then I think we did uh, 12 categories. Um, And then we kind of averaged all of their rankings in all those categories to get an overall rank. And so we have uh, a ranking of all 31 of these centers. And there are some interesting names that showed up. Yeah. I think number one is is interesting and one that people would probably say is incorrect um if brought to their attention but let's let's make the argument for deandre jordan as our number one center right so and the reason why deandre jordan showed up so high is because he ranked number one in three stats Mm -hmm. Um, so the obvious one defensive rebounds per chance not surprising uh set screen outcome efficiency Obviously, we talked about that a few weeks ago when talking about Cole Aldrich, um, how Cole Aldrich, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan all show up really well in this stat. Probably has something to do with the fact that they play with Chris Paul. Um, So even that one's not super surprising, and that may be team-specific. And then the other one was points per shot, which makes a lot of sense because a large majority of his points come from dunks or really close-to-the-basket shots. Um, And then also he's top five in blocks, which you would expect. So I think... The reason why he ended up showing up so well is just because of those few categories. Yeah, um, and and he's not like <clears throat> his worst category is probably his passing, right? Um, and he's really he's not even like bottom of the barrel in that. Like he's he's not good, but he's he's not like as bad as like Hassan Whiteside or Andre Drummond or Ennis Cantor or Bismack Biombo or any, anybody like that. He's actually like better than I imagined. Yeah. Yeah, so he so he was number one, um, which was surprising. But I, I kind of remember when we did this last year for last year's that he showed up really well. Yeah, there as well. I think maybe what we could take from this is that his efficiency as a player and his he has such a clearly clearly defined role that he has just mastered. Like he's just very he just excels at what he does. He's certainly not the most skilled big guy. He's certainly not the best scorer. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this list that I would choose over him, but is he perhaps the most efficient of any of these guys and the guy who is excelling in his role the most? I th- I think you can make the case for that. Yeah, and, and he probably, maybe of all these guys, is in the best situation for his skills. Yes. And I, I looked at set screen outcome efficiency, and I went through all these guys and wanted to see, like, what's the effect on having a good or a bad point guard on this? And largely, having a good point guard 
um, makes a huge difference in set screen outcome efficiency. The guys who are kind of the worst in this category, Rudy Gobert is really bad, um, and he's playing with Shelvin Mack as his point guard. So that makes perfect sense. And then the other guys that he's running pick and rolls with are like small fours and shooting guards, Rodney Hood, um, Gordon Hayward. So it's just it's just not quite as good. Uh, Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez both playing with bad point guards ranked toward the bottom. Um, the only guy who really ranked in the top 15 was Tyson Chandler, who has played with bad point guards for most of the season due to injuries, and he was the 15th. Um, but everybody else, like Zaza Pachulia, Alex Len, uh, Jill Okafor, Jokic is a guy who's been really efficient this year but has a really bad set screen outcome efficiency, probably because he's playing with a rookie point guard and Moutier, who hasn't been that good this season. Um, Lucevic, like all these guys just don't have great point guards. And then you look at the other guys, like uh, Boogie Cousins is number two, DeAndre's number one, Andre Drummond, 10, Al Horford, five, Carl Anthony Towns, eight, Gortat, three, uh, Ennis Cantor, seven, Steven Adams, four, Bogut, nine. Like all these guys play with incredible point guards. And I think that that really matters. Um, guys who didn't show up so good in set screen outcome efficiency who do have good point guards, both the guys in Toronto, Valanciunas and Biombo, were a little bit surprising. Um, yeah, they were. Although Valanciunas was, he had, he was either really good or really horrible. And I think that says, in that case, it says more about the center than it does anything else, like the system or the or anything else. That those both those guys aren't great pick and roll um, centers. Right. Uh, Gorgie Jang out of Minnesota was was really bad, um, and it could be that he's playing with their backup point guards, or he's playing you know pick and roll with Zach Levine. Um, so guys like that, Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard, who are kind of similar players, also turned out to be pretty bad at set screen outcome efficiency. But I just thought that was I thought that was interesting to look at, kind of who's playing with good point guards and who's playing with bad, and how does it affect that? Yeah. And uh, and so the next guy who's kind of in the same mold as DeAndre um, is Hassan Whiteside, who yep. came up as the number two center. Um, so I, he, I, I definitely think he's getting a max this summer. Um, yeah, I, I think he's like often maligned by like just the general NBA fan population for whatever reason. There was always that stat earlier in the year that the Heat were better on defense when he was on the bench. Um, and that eventually turned and, you know, I, I don't see if you're a team like Portland, who I think you'd be perfect for, I don't yeah. see how you, you don't throw the max at him, especially when you have so much cap space. So I definitely think he's going to get the max this summer. And for him, you know, he, he showed up in a lot of the same categories, uh, that Deandre did in terms of showing up. Well, you know, he was first in blocks per chance by an insane margin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was third in defensive rebounds, seventh in offensive rebounds, but his, defensive stats were what I thought was really impressive. So he was sixth in points against per shot. Um, but the, maybe the more impressive thing is that he's fourth in fouls per shot. So he's defending well and also not fouling. Um, and then he shows up really well on the offensive stats. He's eighth in points per chance and third in points per shot. Um, you don't really think of him as kind of like an offensive juggernaut, but he does get a lot of the same kind of looks that DeAndre Jordan gets. And I think that helps him out. But you know, DeAndre Jordan is 22nd in points per chance, whereas Whiteside was 8th. Yeah, he's incredibly efficient um, at what he does and actually has a decent back-to-the-basket game, although they don't use it ever. 
Um, really, his only weakness is that he never passes the ball. Just never, ever does he pass the ball, which is fine because that's not really what they're asking him to do. They're not like running the offense through us on white side. He's getting buckets off of missed shots. He's getting alley-oops. They're dumping it down to him whenever he's close to the bucket. It's a perfect role for him, and I agree that Portland would be an awesome destination for him um, in that they really do need a rim protector and a guy that can finish alley-oops with their impressive guard play. Uh, He's going to be in demand, and something that's been impressive to me is that he's accepted the role – his current role, which is off the bench. And right. He's, he's playing a lot of minutes off the bench, but like still, like this guy was pegged as a head case, and he still may be. Like he may be a guy that gets paid, and then we don't see this player ever again. Uh, but it's encouraging to see him coming off the bench um, and playing really well in that role. Like he's he's just destroying people off the bench. So he's been he's been really fun. Um and a really I mean like this guy has such an interesting story in the way that he came back into the NBA and is now like getting a max deal. Like just there there will be those stories this summer after he signs his deal. Um and it's going to be I don't know. It's just he's an interesting player and he's very he's very very good. I, and again, I think that he and DeAndre really are very efficient. At what they do, um, certainly not the best players, but um, those two just jump out of the stat sheets because of their efficiency and their ability to rebound and block shots, and that just just jumps right off the page whenever you're um, a center who can do those things at an elite level. Yeah, I've kind of been one thinking lately. Like, obviously, Whiteside is somewhat of a head case. Like, there's <laughs> some documented tales about him. Um, but I, I wonder how much of his problem the first go around was the fact that he was drafted by the Kings. <laughs> I just wonder if yeah. he had been drafted into a more stable franchise at the beginning, if he might have had a better shot to make it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a question. I mean, he, he also landed with the Grizzlies for a minute and couldn't get any run there. Uh, I think that I think the Heat was just a, a perfect fit for him. They have a good culture. They have good veterans in place. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, the Kings is certainly the worst situation in the league to be in. Um, <laughs> for, for anyone. For anyone to be in. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think that certainly has something to do with it. And also, like, he was pretty young when he was drafted. And, you know, he just maybe wasn't ready for it. Um, whether he was on the Kings or if he, I don't know, made it to, like, a more stable franchise. It sounds funny to say this now, but like the Lakers were like, uh, used to be a stable franchise. You, you forget that they took a guy in Andrew Bynum, who was probably pretty similar um, in the fact that they were super young, kind of a head case, but they turned him into a max type center. Uh, his injuries certainly derailed him, but I think that Whiteside certainly needed a situation like that, like the heat um, to develop him. So I think that I think you're right that that probably has um, a lot to do with it. And so joining them in like the first tier of centers, so it's DeAndre Jordan, Hassan Whiteside, and the number three was Al Horford, um, who I think he was number one last year when we did this. Yeah. Um, and it's mainly because Al Horford shows up pretty much in every stat except rebounding. He's just never been 
an elite rebounder, mm-hmm. but he shows up pretty well in all the other stats, and he's the number one passing center. Yep. Which is a little, I mean, it's a little bit surprising because people just don't talk about him like that, I guess. Yeah, I, I would have thought it more last year um, when the when the Hawks offense was this you know brand new thing and it was really interesting and they were firing all cylinders. You just haven't heard a lot about him this year outside of the trade deadline. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's always kind of been that passing big man even before uh, Budenholzer got there. Yeah. What What do you think about the idea that? And I've, I guess I've heard Nate Duncan say this that his contract will be good for like the first two years and then not so good after. I, I just don't know that I agree with that because his game isn't like predicated on athleticism. It's passing. He's a shot blocker, but he's not like a vertical. He's not like a vertical shot blocker. He's just a really smart guy. And I feel like he could age a lot better um, than what people are saying, especially if he plays center. Like he's, if he can be the guy who can anchor your defense um, and not have to move away from the basket. I, I don't I don't know why he couldn't be good into his mid-30s. Yeah, and, and both of his injuries, both of his major injuries were both kind of fluke things. He tore his pectoral muscle. Yeah. So it's not like you're you're not worried you're not worried about like bad feet or bad knees or anything. Yeah, I think that whoever gives him his max deal this summer, even if it's Atlanta, like I think it's just a slam dunk deal. Like he he could help anyone. Um and his lack of rebounding, I mean, you just have to surround him with the right kind of people or, um, to make up for that. That like that just screams to me that he would be like a perfect center for the Oklahoma City Thunder because um, they have <laughs> yeah. above average rebounders at every position. Uh, that will never happen, but um, I think that would be a, a really great fit for him. So the next tier of guys, there are five guys in this tier. I would say – I don't know. A few of them, well, one of them in particular was very surprising. Uh, but it was going from four to eight. There was Pau Gasol, Carl Anthony Towns, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, and then Greg Monroe, who he, I was shocked that he showed up as well as he did. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's kind of weird. Uh, his ability to defend the pick and roll this, this year, which, I mean, the Bucks have, don't have a good defense, but he's like good at that like niche part of defense. And he was really good in that last year um, as well. Right, because you think like, oh, it's Jason Kidd's system that he's prevailing in. But no, like it was the same in Detroit. Yeah, he. I remember when we were talking about him coming over, we were saying, well, he's really good at defending the screen and or defending the pick and roll, and he's really good at help defense, which are two things that the Bucks were doing a ton of. Yep. So it seemed like he was going to fit really well. And I mean – he started off okay, but obviously the team was horrible. But then it got to the point where, you know, they're bringing him off the bench or now he's only getting like 20 to 25 minutes a game. And it really seems like the kind of thing where they've soured on him and you don't really know what his future is in Milwaukee, but he's still showing up well in a lot of these stats. Yeah, I mean, his passing is elite for a big man. Um, he doesn't foul a whole lot. His points against per shot is under one, uh, which is fine. Um He's not an outstanding rebounder. Um, he's not great on a pick and roll. He doesn't block any shots, uh, but he's an effective scorer. Um, he, he's a guy that you can go to, but he's just kind of that that breed of center where, like, they're they're really good if you do play them against second units, kind of like in the mold of like Ennis Cantor, where you can play them against second units, bring them off the bench as your sixth man. They can beat up guys. 
um, on the board. Well, he and that's I guess that's the diff- the key difference between him and Ennis Cantor is the boards because Ennis comes in and he just kills people on the offensive glass. Monroe is a, more of a guy who needs the ball in his hands to facilitate the offense and then to score on his own. Um, and with the with the rebounding being a problem, I, I think that that. That makes him just a really tough fit. Like, he's a tough fit definitely next to Jabari Parker. Um, I think he's a pretty decent fit next to John Henson, but then, like, is like who's the center there and who who defends who? And, um, and then you're worrying about space. Yeah, and then the spacing's gone. Like, he's just a tough fit. I think he's a good player, but he definitely needs the right franchise to make this work. Um, now, I will say that of the like mainly offense below average defense centers. He did rank the highest out of those guys. Um, unless you want to throw pal in there. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, he, he ranked ahead of, you know, Ennis Cantor. He ranked ahead of Jaleel Okafor and Nikola Vucevic. Um, so at least in these stats, he showed up as the best type of those centers. But I do think what you said about the rebounding is really key. And I, I think I would rather take Cantor just for that rebounding yeah. um, because if, if you look at offensive rebounds, Ennis Cantor is number one from of, of any center. Offensive rebounds plus per chance. And he's number eight in defensive rebounding. And if you go to uh, Greg Monroe, he's 21st in offensive rebounds and then 17th in defensive rebounds. Yeah. I mean, because at that point, like, what is Greg Monroe controlling in the game? Like, he is your offensive facilitator <clears throat> as a center. And he's a scorer. And those are the only things that he's controlling. And you can get all those things from other positions. The, the key within his canter is that he is controlling the boards when he's in the game. He's got his hand on nearly every ball that's missed. Um, and that's where his like value has been for Oklahoma City this year. And you just you have to feed the ball to Monroe for him to be effective. And with the personnel that they have, like he's really – like. Is he their fourth best player? I mean, are you going to feed the ball consistently to the fourth best player on the team? Probably not. Right. So, so that makes it. He's just, again. He's just a tough fit. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what franchise could benefit from having him, but I do think that he, if he did find the right place, he could be really effective. But it's it's certainly just not there. I mean, you'd think like if he was the backup center for the Warriors. And a guy who could score on the low block, pass the ball, like that that would be like a perfect situation for him. But obviously, like making the salaries work there, it, it just doesn't. But a team like that, that wants to move the ball, um, that needs like an offensive hub for their second unit, would he? he's kind of that perfect role for that. Um, so I think two guys that people might be surprised are this high. One is Carl Anthony Towns, which everyone knows he's had a great year, but the fact that he's, you know, in the top five of centers by this is, is pretty amazing, especially when you compare him to Jaleel Okafor, who ended up at 28th out of right. 31. <laughs> yeah. Cause at the at t- time of the draft, I mean, it didn't seem like those guys were that far apart. Like you knew that the skill set was going to be much better for Towns to like adapt to the league. Like he looked like more of a progressive type center um, than Okafor, but at the time it was like you know both these guys are going to be really good and be able to score from day one. And in fact, I think a lot of people picked um, picked Jill Okafor for uh, rookie of the year over Towns because they just thought that Town that Okafor would be able to do what he does immediately, and it would take some time for Towns. But it just has been nearly the opposite. 
And then the other guy who I think people might be surprised is Dwight Howard, yeah. uh, who I was definitely surprised um, just because more because of the Rockets. They've just had such a terrible year. Right. Um, but he has been healthy the whole year. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. He sat out a few games. Um, and he still shows up really well in the stats that you think he would. He's still an elite rebounder. He was 12th in offensive rebounds, and he's fourth in defensive rebounds. Um, he's second in points per shot, so he's still a very efficient offensive player, even if he never truly developed you know, the, the amazing post game that he thinks he has. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was surprised to see him up there. Yeah. Do you think he's so good at rebounding because of Stickham? Uh, I mean, it can't hurt. We should do pre and post stick'em stats. Oh, that's actually a good idea. Because uh, was that like a week ago? Yeah. So we could probably do like the last month, see if his rebounds declined. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next tier, tier three, contains seven guys. This is starting at the ninth-ranked center going through the 16th. We have Brooke Lopez, Mark Gasol, Marcin Gortat, Andre Drummond, Andrew Bogut, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, and Tim Duncan. So I, I don't know about you, but the one that stood out for me was the fact that Rudy Gobert ended up showing up so low. Yeah, he's, he, he had I, a lot of expectations going into this season. And I, I think if I remember when we did this last time, he was definitely in the top 10. I think he might have been in the top five. Yeah, no, I think, he, I think you're right. He was in the top five. He... A lot of it's that he's had trouble scoring this season. Um, also, I mentioned this before, his set screen outcome efficiency is 35th um, among all centers, which is which is pretty low, and a lot of it has to do with who he's playing with. Uh, he doesn't force any turnovers. Um, but other than that, he's just like just a rung below everybody else. Like He's just not... He hasn't been quite as elite um, in his shot blocking this season as he was last year. Um, I think you can attribute, and like, what is he? He still ranks second, but he's just not not nearly where Hassan Whiteside is. Hassan Whiteside, just for reference, is at five point four four blocks per one hundred chances. And then Rudy Gobert, who's second, is three point two two. I mean, like that's that's a like you said, that's a massive gap. Um, but I think you can attribute some of it to like game planning with him because when he did play, uh, it was toward the end of the year after the All Star break when the Jazz were. A pretty meaningless team to play um even though like they got some national attention for their defense but they still like there wasn't t- totally a game plan for uh gobert in place and this is really his first full year of, of being a starting center which i think is really kind of a hard thing to be to adjust to and basically the the way that you play gobert and you win is that you're just very very physical with him like guys like steven adams have had a lot of success against him um, because if you're physical enough with him, it actually like gets him pretty pissed off, and he gets kind of gets off his game. So I think that he'll adjust. I think he will bounce back next year because I just still like you could see last night him against the Warriors. Like he showed a lot last night, and I think that he still has some developing to do, which is fine. Um, but he's just not the monster that we thought he would be this season. Yeah, and you'd love to see him with a better point guard because he seems like he would be amazing on the pick and roll just because right. he's so long and could get so many alley-oops. Yeah, you swap him and DeAndre and you have Gobert catching those alley-oops. I mean, it's, it's a that's a world changer. And I, and I don't know that 
the Jazz are going to go out and get another point guard. I, I don't think they will. I think that they're going to see what Dante Exum can do, and I think that'll that'll be interesting next season to see um, his improvement along with the addition of Dante Exum and see if those kind of correlate. And one guy who he kind of matches up stat wise, he's obviously a lot better than him. But Tyson Chandler, um, I could see him being like a better version of Tyson Chandler because yeah. they both don't show up super well offensively. Um, but they do show up decent in points per shot, so they are efficient. And, you know, we know Tyson Chandler was like, you know, the lob master for so many years, um, even though you don't think of Tyson Chandler as a super athletic guy. So if you put someone even more athletic like Rudy Gobert with a good point guard, it seems like it would be perfect. Yes. Yeah. As, as long as Exum is good, I, I think you can count on him having a better season next year um, with a with a good point guard. and. I I only see him improving. His skill set is just ridiculous. Like his, his his body is really like he's just a a weird guy, and that he's his length and his athleticism is just out of this world. Um, so much so that people thought that he couldn't play. Like they thought, well, his size, like it's like at some point, like size is a bad thing um, for guys, and he has such a strange body and such a long body and so, like. People just thought, like, there's just no way this guy can translate because he's just too big. Um, and the fact that he's been able to do what he does um, is just really impressive. Um, so are there any other guys in that third tier that kind of jumped out to you? Oh. I mean, we should probably mention that Andre Drummond. That's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> is the worst of any center in points against per shot. Yeah. Um, he's actually tied with Mason Plumley, who Mason Plumley kind of makes sense. Um, I don't think of Portland as a great defensive squad, and but Drummond, like at least, you know, we've been told about like the SVG model and that Drummond was going to be the new Howard. Um, at least defensively, not yet, not even close. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think people are talking about like what a, what a discrepancy that's there. Um, because Howard was has been a good defender almost his entire career. Like he's been a decent defender, um, and today, like with the decline in his athleticism and all that stuff, like he's still a much much better defender than Andre Drummond. I mean, Andre Drummond is one point oh five. Like that's horrible. That's worse than Ennis Cantor. Like if you were to ask somebody, like some random NBA fan, who has a higher points against per shot, Andre Drummond or Ennis Cantor, they probably laugh at you. And say it's it's got to be in his canter. He's obviously the worst defensive center in the league. Blah blah blah. No, <laughs> it's Andre Drummond. Like he has had a horrible defensive year. Like he he's blocked some shots. Great, uh, but this dude like he he's dominant on the boards. He's really good at catching alley oops. He's super athletic, but he has a long way to go as an NBA defensive center. And that's part, like, I think some people had a little bit higher expectations for the Pistons this season than what they've done. And they're at the seventh seed now, which is really impressive. But they could be much better if Drummond was just a passable defender. Like, if he was in the 90s for his points against per shot, like, this team would be a lot better. But he's, he's allowing a lot of points in the paint, and that's a big problem. And I, I don't know if he can be that elite guy he certainly has the skill set he's got the tools there uh, but he's just not anywhere close like I don't, I don't know who has made a jump from 
a 1.05 points against per shot for a whole season into an elite status. I don't, I have to take a look back and I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Um, but it just doesn't look good for Drummond. Yeah. And he is really being held up at least in this ranking by his, uh, rebounding statistics because he is, he is second in offensive rebounds per chance, barely behind Ennis Cantor. And then he's first in defensive rebounds per chance tied with, uh, Deandre Jordan. Yeah. He's, he's a monster athlete and a really good rebounder and a, and a pretty good guy. Um, He's a pretty good scorer. His points per shot, which is one you would think would be pretty high, is actually really low. And I think some of that has to do with his usage rate and his, and the fact that he does have the ball quite a bit for this Detroit team. Um, but yeah, he's he is a monster, but he is not a good defender and has a long way to go. So the fourth tier, two guys in this tier that are, are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we have 17th to the 21st ranked, uh, Gorgie Jane, Zaza Pachulia, Stephen Adams, Ennis Cantor, and then Tyson Chandler. Yeah. So I, thought, I thought it was interesting that Adams and Cantor ended up right next to each other because their stats couldn't really be more different from each other. Right. Yeah, they're, they are back-to-back, and they're, they're kind of a good kind of tandem big guys because one can do what the other can't. Um, and it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic in Oklahoma City to see like when Donovan plays, which guy. I, th- I think ultimately uh, Stephen Adams is a guy who I think could be in the top ten um, on this list eventually. Um, and I don't. I think Ennis Cantor is about where he's gonna be. Like he's just really elite in other cate- in some categories and just really bad in others. Like he's not a passer at all. He doesn't block shots. Uh, he he's obviously not a not a good defender, um, and I just don't really see him really improving in any of those. But Adams is more of a guy who's pretty good across the board, and a guy who's still twenty. Is he twenty two? Is he? I don't know if he's twenty three yet. Um, yeah, I think so. But he's he's a guy who's just really super young. They're actually both pretty young, and they're both really improving. But I can see Adams kind of vaulting himself into the, you know, top 15, top 10 status. And Ennis is probably about where he was. I think the most impressive thing for me with Adams this year has been his play in the pick and roll offensively. Yeah. Uh, He has become really dominant. So he is fourth in set screen outcome efficiency, which is one of the few stats that him and Cantor are similar in. Uh, Cantor is seventh in set screen outcome efficiency. And obviously a big part of that is playing with Russell Westbrook, but you know, as Thunder fans, we know for how many years it's been since Russell Westbrook has actually had someone that can actually run a pick and roll with him, <laughs> other than Durant. Yeah, no, that their their pick and roll where he's basically a, a lob, an easy lob for a dunk. Like he's really show, shown his athleticism this season up through that, which he's he's an impressive, impressive player. Um, you wish that he was a little his defense his defensive rebounding stats don't show up very well. Um, I know that his teammates are impacting that on some level, um, but still, like he's got to be a better defensive rebounder and he's got to be a better shot blocker. And if he can improve both of those, I think that he could. That that was what I, I do think he can, can improve both of those and be like you talked about. Um, Gobert being Tyson Chandler. I think Steven Adams could be a Tyson Chandler type player where he's an anchor of a defense, um, catches lobs, uh, can score a little bit around the basket. He's got better touch than what people even realize 
around the basket. And he's actually like, when he does get the ball, he's, he's a pretty decent passer. Um, he doesn't do it often, but he actually has pretty good vision um, and he has good touch. So I, I think that this, this guy's going to be very, very good. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I love Steven Adams. I think that he, and Sam Presti even talks about him as basically um, their fourth guy in their core of Abaka, Westbrook, and Durant. Like he always includes Steven Adams whenever he's talking about their core. Um, so I, I, I agree with that. I think that he has nowhere to go but up. Um, and, and for all you people who hate Ennis Cantor, um, I just thought <laughs> I thought I'd give you some stats that you enjoy. He is 45th in points against per shot. Yeah, he's 31st in points allowed per screen. He's 31st in turnovers forced per chance, and he's 36th in true facilitation. So he is one of these players who is at one extreme or the other. Yeah, because um, the offensive stats, you know, he's fifth in points per chance, sixth in points per shot. Uh, we already mentioned his rebounding stats. He's first in offensive rebounds, uh, eighth in defensive. So he's either on one of the spectrum or the other, and his stats reflect exactly what you see with the eye test. Yeah, and, and he he's a guy. He, one of the things that Billy Donovan's gotten right this season, in my opinion, is the use of Ennis Cantor as basically a bench scorer and a guy who's going to come in and really kind of change the game with his rebounding. And he plays about 20 minutes a game. And I remember we talked about the Thunder before the season started, and you were really worried about Ennis Cantor. And I said, you asked me, like, how many minutes he plays. I said, I think he'll get about 20 minutes a game. And you were like, oh, well, that'd be perfect. Well, it has been. Like, it's been, yeah. it's been, re- the way he's been used has been great and enough to where people are like, well, I think he should be playing more. And I'm just like, no, no, like, don't, don't do that. Cause I think that he can also hurt your team in a lot of different spots, um, which is reflected in his stats. Um, but when he's used in the right way, kind of like I talked about Greg Monroe, like if, if Greg Monroe can find a niche kind of like Ennis Cantor has, like he could be really effective as Cantor has this season. And, and you know that because he's talked about as probably a top three candidate for six man of the year. And so we have a, we have 10 guys left. So these are the bottom 10. So this is the 22nd ranked center through the 31st. We have, Nikola Vucevic, Jonas Valanciunas, Bismack Biombo, Kelly Olinick, Jan Mahinmi, Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, Robin Lopez, Alex Len, and Myers Leonard. And uh, if you're interested in my tiers that I've been doing, I put Alex Len in his own tier, and then I put <laughs> Myers Myers Leonard in his own tier. They were so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of sad because both those guys were supposed to have years where they were going to get a chance to play. Um, and it's kind of, it's not make or break for them, but it's it's kind of that. Like they've like they've really had a chance to show their chops this season. And I really, I man, I believed in Myers Leonard before the season. I thought that his skill set matched perfectly with what the Blazers were going to try to do, uh, and it just hasn't worked out at all. <laughs> um, did it surprise you how low both of the centers for the Raptors were? Yeah, it did. I thought. I especially thought Bismack was going to show up higher um, yeah. just because I, I thought he had been really efficient in the time that he'd been on the court, which he has, yeah. um, but he still shows up really poorly in a lot of stats. Yeah, I, he's, he doesn't force any turnovers. His points allowed per screen, he's ranked 24th. Um, 
His he fouls a ton. Fouls per shot. He fa- you're right. He fouls a ton. His points against per shot. He's eighth. Like he's at point. He's at point nine zero, which is which is really good. He's like on the border, borderline elite center. He's a good rebounder, um, but he doesn't catch the ball and pick and roll. And he's just not a great scorer with his points per chance is at point one, which is just not good enough. Um, he is good at his points per shot and that he's basically just dunking. Um, but he's just not quite as an impactful player as maybe some even think. Cause I think that he, he may get a big contract this summer. And I think if he does become the starting center for somebody, it might be a little bit disappointing in the type of production that they're going to get. Yeah. I think you could make a case, even though he's the polar opposite of like Ennis Cantor, that he is being used perfectly this year by Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Yeah, I totally and it, agree. And then expecting more than that is probably a bad idea. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of what they wanted in Charlotte, right? Like they wanted him right. to be their starting center, like an anchor of their defense, and he just wasn't that guy. But he he's a great defender off the bench and a guy that you can close with too a lot. I mean, the Raptors certainly use him as a guy they close with too when Valanciunas just isn't bringing it. Um, and I think Valanciunas is really disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, and you know he's had a lot of injuries, and he, he's back now. And, uh, I don't know though. I feel like because I remember a lot of the Toronto players show up poorly when I do these, like looking at all the vantage stats. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something about their team, but I remember like Demar Derozan showed up kind of oh, more poorly than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking at these two guys, um, so yeah, I don't know because. Before I did this, I'd been hearing a lot of people talk about Valanciunas like, oh, I really think he's turned a corner this year. Like, I'm really excited to see what he's doing in the playoff. Dwayne Casey's a lot more confident in him playing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the team does in the playoffs. Yeah, like the only thing is, like, he's a, he's a good score for a center. Um, he's eighth in points per chance, and he's fifth in points per shot. Um, and then he's a good offensive rebounder. He ranks third among um, this group. But like, other than that, he's like he ranks so low. Like points against per shot, one point oh three, which is the same he's number. Tied with Cantor, no, yeah. same number as Cantor. People don't talk about him like this, you know. Like he, fou- right. he fouls a lot. His points allowed per screen. He's thirty third. Um, he doesn't ever force turnovers, and he is not a good passer. I mean, he's. Honestly, he's a lot like Ennis Cantor in a lot of ways. He's just a little bit taller, and he's a little bit bigger, and he's also been touted as a guy who could be a lot more than that. Um, but in like, if you were to find a statistical clone, I think that Valanciunas and Cantor are pretty close. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that the perception of them is different because of the way they look when they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you were just watching Cantor – like even if you don't know anything about defense, you can like figure out pretty quick that he's bad at it. Yeah, um, and there's like a lot of highlight plays or low light plays of him on defense, whereas you just don't see a lot of those from Valanciunas, um, even though he's might be just as poor of a defender. Yeah, yeah. I th- let's talk about surprises overall for this list, and then we'll then we'll be done. Uh, the biggest surprise for me is Demarcus Cousins just not not being even in the top three, like he ranks sixth on our list, um, even below a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. And like, if I were to give a reason for that, for me, it would just be um, his efficiency. This year yes. just, has, just hasn't been great. 
Um, his points per chance are great. He's ranks number one at 0.28, which is like a really high number. Like that's a, let me look and see. Like Jill Okafor is at 0.23. And then uh, Towns and Brooke Lopez is 0.24. But 0.28 is really high. Like it's a high points per chance, um, which means that he's the offensive hub for them. And everybody knows that anyways. But he ranks 27th in points per shot. Um, he's just really inefficient. Um, and a lot of that is that he wants to kind of stretch out a little bit and shoot more jumpers, uh, which hasn't really helped his game all that much. He's also a really poor offensive rebounder. Um, his points against per shot is at .99, which is fine, but not great. Um, you could also attribute that, a lot of that to his teammates as well. Uh, he doesn't defend screens well, um, and, he's, and he's a good passer, but he's just that poor in enough categories like his points per shot, which is basically talking about his efficiency in scoring, um, his offensive rebounding, and then his defense just isn't isn't even like if it was if he was just mediocre, um, more mediocre on that end, he would rank higher. But um, that that was surprising to me. I, I thought I would see him a little bit higher. Yeah, um, in terms of surprises, well, in terms of an individual stat that I was surprised in, Jaleel Okafor ranks eighth in points allowed per screen, hmm. which I can't even really explain that one because <laughs> the, the Sixers haven't been a good defensive team overall this year. Um, I think they were ranked like 11th in defensive efficiency last year. So last year's team, maybe you can make a case, but this year they're bad and Okafor is a bad defender. I mean, I, it's not like I suddenly think he's good, right. um, but he does show up well in that one stat. Um, so that was an interesting one for me. That was the only stat other than the offensive stats that he showed up well in. Yeah, he's. I don't. I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're the Sixers, I and mean, I think we've discussed this before, like who of those big guys do you move on with? Yeah, and I, I think, especially because both of the two guys, Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons, the way people are talking about them is as small ball fours is like their destiny, and so the idea of bringing that another one of those guys into this Philly system with all these other big guys, and you have Sarge coming over, who's also a small ball four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got to move at least one, and I think the most likely one would be Okafor. But who knows? I mean, now he. You know, he, he already underwent a meniscus injury. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I, for that. I just don't know what his value is. I have no idea what his value is. Because yeah. he probably projects as, you know, a, I don't know how good good he's going to be, but he projects as like a, a Greg Monroe maybe or a, a Ennis Cantor, maybe a better version of those guys. Yeah. Um, maybe Al Jefferson, something like that. Um so, yeah, I just don't know what team is going to be going after him. I, I still don't buy that Celtics rumor. There's no way that's true. Yeah, it just makes no sense. There's just absolutely no chance that is true. Um, well, we'll stop there. Thanks for listening to the Home Court Vantage podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AlBabyCakes and at Andrew underscore Schlecht. You can find uh, Vantage Sports on Twitter at Vantage Sports and then find everything at VantageSports.com. Listen to our podcast on iTunes and on several other platforms, um, but you can find it on SoundCloud as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week.